Welcome to Speaking of Business. I'm Goldie Hyder of the Business Council of Canada. Over the past few weeks, we have been checking in with business leaders about how the COVID-19 pandemic is affecting them and how they're responding to this crisis. My guest today has special insight into the impact of the crisis. As president and CEO of Great West Life Co. and Canada Life, Paul Mann is focused on the financial, physical, and mental health of Canadians. So let's find out what's going on out there. Paul, thanks for joining me. Thank you, Goldie. I'm glad to join you today. Well, why don't we start there? I mean, here you are, national business. You touch the financial, physical, and mental health of Canadians. You've got a good line of sight. What are you seeing out there? We certainly have seen a lot of change over the last six weeks. It all started out with, I would say, a very sharp and acute disruption. Uh, it was a disruption, obviously, in people's lives as they were told to move to physically distancing and a huge disruption for our economy. And obviously, we're a part of that economy. So, you know, it was a disruption to our company. You know, when I think about it, we're operating at a point in time six, seven weeks ago where we had 80% of our 24,000 people around the world working in our offices. And fast forward to today, and we have 98% of our 24,000 employees around the world working from home. And the same thing would go for about a half of our employees here in Canada, 12,000, who 98% are working from home. And you just think about the not just the physical impact there, it's the mental impact and just how do businesses run and thrive when there's so much change going on. So that's really what we've observed, this acute change and the need to move quickly. Paul, how have your employees been impacted by this pandemic? Well, you know, interestingly, if you think about our organization, we're an essential service. So we offer wealth management and benefits and things that people are turning to right now from the standpoint of wanting to feel secure and wanting to be able to trust in the institutions they work with. So our employees have, in a lot of ways, never been busier than they are right now. Our call volumes have spiked up, the need for them to not only go through a relocation, moving their office and and all of their ways of working from a workplace to their home, but also to stay on top of that. And I've never been prouder of our people right across Canada and globally, frankly, because they were able to affect that change, that relocation, I believe, without our customers feeling dislocated. I think our customers, you know, our customer service levels have uh, maintained strong right throughout How much of what you see going on in terms of the changes that are taking place in workplace do you think are are you know going to be longer lasting than the pandemic, or do you think it's just uh, to get us through? I think that is the key question that we're focused on right now. Uh, A lot of organizations now are turning their attention to this concept of return to the office planning, and I think before organizations think about returning to the office, you have to stop and consider. What are the things you can learn from this crisis? What are the things you can learn from the actions you've taken? And what can you learn from your customers? So one of the things that we've been very focused on over the last few years is launching new digital services and capabilities, both for our customers, but also for our advisors who would work with our customers on a day-to-day basis. And a lot of those digital tools and capabilities tend to be adopted slowly over time. People rely on face-to-face. They rely on what I would say are the old ways of working. And what we've seen over the last month is a high rate of adoption. I might argue we've achieved two years of adoption in a matter of weeks. 
going from maybe 10% usage of some applications to 70% usage. I think a lot of those changes are not going to go back to where they were. You know, we might not maintain full 70% utilization, but we might find ourselves with double or even triple the adoption levels that we had pre-crisis. And that means that we have to redefine and rethink our business model. We have to rethink what will people be doing? What will the roles look like? How will they carry out those roles, given the fact that there'll be more things going on digitally? And so I think a lot of what we've seen as an organization, we're going to take our time thinking very carefully and clearly about what do we want the business model to look like six months from now, a year from now. And we should really be looking for the good that comes out of this crisis. What are the lessons learned and what are the ways we can make our business model stronger? And I think a theme that will run throughout will be leveraging digital capabilities so that we have faster service for clients, lower cost ultimately, and also allowing people then to focus more on value add. For insurance advisors, it would be spending more time providing advice and less time working on process. And I think those are going to be the the real positives that come out of this. Well, it's a very consistent theme um, that I've heard in talking to, you know, your counterpart CEOs across the country that this um, virus has had the impact of being an accelerator in terms of disruption uh, and in terms of adoption, particularly of a digital channels and a digital agenda. You know, it is what it is. We can't go back and change it. As you look forward, one of the issues that is going to show up, especially as we talk about the need for you know, tracing it through this virus period in particular. Privacy is, is, I think, going to emerge as one of these big questions that we're going to want to talk about as Canadians. So why don't I ask you, because it's integral to your business, how do you ensure you know, client privacy uh, while employees are working from home? And what do you think about the broader issue of privacy and technology as we go forward in terms of tracking and tracing people in terms of whether they care or not? Two very good questions. Um, I'll, I'll take the first one first, which is dealing with, you know, how do we maintain our clients' privacy? One of the approaches we took when we looked at our at-home technologies was to make sure they were locked down because one of the challenges of taking a piece of technology, lifting it out of the workplace and taking it home, likely in the workplace you were able to print things. Likely in the workplace you might have been able to perhaps use a USB key and a USB port and move it to another piece of equipment. In an at-home work environment, you have to ensure that you lock down your technology such that employees don't have the capacity or ability to print, to download to other non-corporate systems. So our focus has been ensuring that We put the customer's privacy first and foremost, and if we have to change business process to accommodate that, we do that. And, uh, you know, this can be challenging for some employees, so they have to move from having printed paper and one screen to two or three screens to be able to effectively do their job in that environment. But we believe it's so fundamental and critical to maintain that privacy in a work-at-home environment. So I think technology can be your friend there. But you really have to have the discipline to put that in place. And then you also have to have strong monitoring. So notwithstanding all that, you have to have constant monitoring of that. And more importantly, you actually have to explain why to your employees and get them buying into it. Now, you know, as part of our ongoing compliance, we have annual compliance training related to privacy. So this is nothing new for our employees, but it's new for them to now be able to do this work in a home environment where you don't have that same security. 
So I think we've got that well in hand. To the second question, I think the issue of you know this testing, tracking, and tracing, I think it's going to feature in those economies or those jurisdictions that probably do the best as they come out of this crisis. And once having flattened the curve, how do you actually sustain that over a long period of time and not have a bounce back or a spike again? You do see jurisdictions around the world that are adopting technologies related to that. And there's a real question there. There's a trade-off between, you know, what are my rights to privacy versus what are my responsibilities as a citizen? And I think this is going to be one of the toughest challenges that governments, institutions, and individuals face. Where do you put an individual's rights in the context of the health of a population or of a city or of a jurisdiction? And I don't have a great answer for that other than to say that if I had my choice, and this is a personal statement, if I had my choice, I would rather give up a little bit of privacy for the good of the community in the context of us being able to manage through this. And and that's a personal comment. That's not a comment on behalf of the corporation in any way. Well, Paul, thank you for sharing those personal views on this podcast. We appreciate it. Now, one issue that we are very focused on at the Business Council is workplace mental health. It's an issue that was important to us long before this virus, but it's even more acutely so now. You know, one of the things about working from home, of course, is it can present its own challenges. It can be isolating, it can be demanding, it can frankly be frustrating. What concerns do you have around what a working from home model can mean for mental health? Two comments I'll make. The first is we've been very active on uh, mental health in the workplace. We have the Candlelight Center for Mental Health in the Workplace, which provides tools and resources and support to uh, companies in terms of being able to manage that. But to a large extent, that was what we contemplated in a lot of those tools and resources was a in-the-workplace work environment. And that homework environment creates some additional challenges. And I think one of the biggest challenges is the separation of work and life. One of the things that our people are noting is that When you don't have a physical separation between your office and your home, it's hard to turn it on and turn it off. And we're trying to use lots of guidance and support for our employees and education that they've got to find that balance. They've got to find ways to create separation between their workday and their home life. So I think that's a very critical uh, feature to this. In the context of the uh, benefits we provide to companies, I think what has featured more and more in terms of, you know, sort of the best benefit plans would be increasing coverage for psychological counseling and all the other types of services that would support an individual. Number one, this is featuring more and more in the benefits coverage that we would provide. But I think it will become, you know, sort of more acute as time passes as we deal with periods of uncertainty like this right now. And As we consider, you know, our own employee population, we're thinking about a return to work scenario where roles that will be more centered at home as opposed to coming back into the workplace will still be thinking about ways to engage those individuals either digitally using things like Zoom or Teams, but also bringing those individuals back into the workplace on a regular basis for collaboration, for training, and frankly, for camaraderie. And I think people will need a connectedness there. I think the other reality is it won't be one size fits all for all roles. 
So, you know, for context, if we concluded that a lot of our call centers could work very effectively with the staff and individuals in their homes, that might not be the best business model for everyone. Some individuals might not be able to manage that. So I think we're going to have to think about flexibility in our work offering for people such that those who can thrive in an at-home work environment could work there and those who could thrive more in a in-office work environment could work there and look for providing that balance and that opportunity because everyone is wired a little bit differently. And I think we have to have that level of flexibility in our workforce and our work site planning as we think about the future. Well, Paul, you've given our listeners a lot to think about there. We really appreciate uh, you joining us and making time in your busy schedule to be here. Well, thank you, Goldie. It's a pleasure to connect with you and the work you're doing, obviously for Canada, but in the context of these podcasts, I think is excellent. It gives people, you know, insight and ideas in terms of sharing best practices. So hats off and we appreciate the work you're doing. Well, thank you. As that hashtag goes, you know, in this together, as I say, it's not just a hashtag, it's an actual strategy and let's hope it's working. Thank you. Paul Mann is president and CEO of Great West Life Co. and Canada Life. We've heard a wide range of voices and perspectives on this podcast, and I encourage you to listen to more of our conversations at speakingofbiz.ca or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, I'm Goldie Hyder. Thanks for joining us. Be well.